Welcome to the Finding My Way Bible Teachings, a 12 Minutes with Mickey Productions. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. What another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Man, God is so good. If you woke up today and you have Christ as your Savior, then it's a beautiful day. There is nothing that could possibly happen today to rob you of the fact that this is a beautiful day because you have Christ as your Savior. Because with Christ we have hope. Without Christ there is no hope. And I tell people this all the time. If you are not a believer, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, then the best day you have in this world is your best day for eternity. And the worst day that you have in this world pales in comparison to the suffering that awaits you when you leave this world. And on the other side of that, if you are a believer, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, the very worst day that you have in this world, the absolute most horrid day that you have in this world is the worst day that you will ever have for an eternity. And yet the best day, the most amazing day that you have in this world as a believer will pale in comparison to the wonders that await you. And that's the perspective that we have to live our life. This world is fleeting and passing by. And as, as we grow older, I think we can all agree that the days seem to travel faster. Remember when you were a kid and it seemed like it took forever for the next day to come. It took forever for that next birthday to come. But as you get older, it seems like just yesterday you were 10 years younger. What in the world just happened? Where did time go? This world is fleeting. It is passing by. It is like a vapor of smoke on the wings of the wind. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 16. We're going to jump down to um, verse 22. Now, to put it in, in context here, uh, Paul and Silas you know, were, were going about, um, and they were traveling to a place of prayer. They met a, a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She had a prophetic spirit, um, and she earned a great deal of money for her owners. And she was following around Paul and 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 saying and shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. It, it, uh, it troubled Paul. And he turned around and said to that spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And that moment, the spirit left her. <laughs> now, here's a case where charges were brought against Paul and Silas, 
because they stole these uh, slave owners' moneymaker. They robbed them of their business. That was their accusation. And they brought him before the magistrate, and and uh, they say, you know, these, these men are throwing our city in an uproar. They're advocating customs unlawful for us as Romans to accept um, and to practice. And the, the crowd joined in. You know, I mean, the same kinds of things happen today. You have a servant of the Lord moving forward in the kingdom. Um Something happens that affects uh, these non-believers, and they get all in a tiff and an uproar, and they, they come against that, that person of God, and they, they throw out their accusations. But they don't say, well, these people, this, this man or this woman is a, is a servant of the Most High God, and he's throwing our town into chaos. No, they come up with something that... that uh, sits well with the law. They paint the picture publicly. They stir up the crowd. And the, in verse 22 is where we're going to pick up our story. The crowd joined in in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. So they're brought before the magistrates, and he's given he gives them a sentence. They're stripped and beaten. And after they have been severely flogged, and they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. The stocks are these little boards that will fold down, and so you can't pull your feet out of them, and it's locked, and you can't pull your feet out. They're affixed to the ground. You can't move. You're, you're stuck right there. They were placed in the inner cell, the place of the deepest hopelessness. This is where they were. Minimal, if any, light coming into the cell. Deep in the bowels of the prison. Deep in the bowels of the, of the, the dungeon. That place where hopelessness resides. Where it reigns supreme. In verse 25 we read, About midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to the... Uh, hold on a minute. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, they had just been stripped and beaten. We're not talking about the spanking that your high school principal gave you. We're not talking about the whooping your mother or father gave you. We're talking about being beaten. They were stripped publicly. They're everything hanging out, and they were beaten. It says after they had been severely flogged, then they're thrown into prison. Don't think this is a culture that, that you received your beating and then you were taken to the medical clinic to treat wounds because we want to hide behind some disguise of, of humanity. Well, you were beaten and you're thrown into a dungeon, locked down so you can't move in a place of despair and hopelessness. And yet, 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other li prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And we'll stop right there. That's the end of verse 26. What I want to focus on is the fact that Paul and Silas were in the... If anybody had a reason to be depressed and cry out, Oh, Lord, why me? My life is terrible, Lord. What, what have I done, oh, God? Uh, have I sinned against you? Is this your punishment on me? Oh, Lord, my life is terrible and horrible. Woe is me. Paul and Silas had that reason. To, to just play the pity card, the self-pity card. Beaten, stripped down, locked up in a dungeon. Effectively, falsely accused. I mean, did they rob the, 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 the citizen of, of their revenue? I mean, I guess the argument could be made that they did. They exercised the spirit. They cast out a spirit from a slave girl. The repercussions of casting out that spirit was that citizen lost his, his revenue stream. And they're humiliated in public. They're beaten. They're thrown into a dungeon. They're shackled to the floor. And hear it now. Oh, brother, brother Paul, we should, we should pray, oh God. What transgression have we committed against you that, that we suffer such? Help us to be upright before you, God. Forgive us for whatever sin we've committed. But that's not what they, what they prayed. They were praising and rejoicing. They counted themselves privileged, blessed even, to suffer, to be counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Now, they didn't go live their life however they wanted and kind of semi-include Christ into their life. No, they lived their life for Christ. All, all too often today, as believers, we live our own life and include Christ in it, mostly when it's convenient. But what we're called to do is to live our life for Christ. Remember, when you accept Christ as your Savior, you're not just accepting His salvation, you are submitting yourself to Him. His way becomes your way. His will becomes your will. His desire becomes your desire. That's what it means to submit yourself to Christ. It means He gets to be the boss of your brain. He determines your life. You no longer, you willingly give up that option. You no longer have that option on the table because you willingly give it to him. You su surrender it to him. This is what it means to surrender ourselves to Christ. Paul and Silas had every justification in the world to sit around and have a pity party, but they didn't. Even in the 
the darkest recesses of this of this dungeon, they prayed and worshipped. They celebrated. And everybody else who was trapped in this place of hopelessness heard them. Now, I would like to say that when you're in a place of hopelessness, when you're in that dungeon, that uh, mental dungeon that we find ourselves in at times because of the circumstances of life, that God's going to come and bring a great earthquake and all the doors are going to fly open and the chains and shackles are going to fall off everybody else who's stuck in a like place. But God is sovereign and God will do what God does. But that does not remove us as believers of keeping our, our focus on the goodness of God even in the dark places, even in the 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 lonely places, the dungeon places. What kind of dungeon places do you have going on in your life? Are you having a pity party? Or are you praying and worshiping the Lord? Are you filled with a joy even though you're in a dark place, bound up, beaten and stripped naked, there's that inexpressible joy for the love of the Lord pouring out of you like a symphony? Or have you picked up your self-pity violin? Think about it. Be blessed and be the blessing. Hallelujah. This has been a Finding My Way Bible Teachings. 12 Minutes with Mickey Productions from Mickey Wilcox Ministries. Check out www.mickeywilcox.org to learn more about growing in Christ. www.mickeywilcox.org